November 8th. You have to understand that this was extraordinarily chaotic. Responding to paradise. The campfire erupts and takes off in a rage. This fire was moving so fast, it was outrunning us before we even knew that we were in a race. 332 responding to paradise. The town of Paradise had planned and exercised for wildfires. This was worse than the worst case scenario that ultimately I think anybody contemplated. Butte County Sheriff Corey Honey talks candidly one-on-one -on -one with all hazards for the first time since the campfire decimated his home territory. Uh, it was heart-wrenching. Um, there was a sense of helplessness. Sheriff Honey reflects on the early hours of response and what he heard on his two-way radio. 20 civilians were completely surrounded by fire. We're taking a safe zone. Deputies talking about the fire was overtaking them and they were asking for fire resources and the response back from dispatch was there are none. We've got explosion structures on fire and uh, we're taking refuge in our vehicle. From the overwhelming ferocity of the fire to the emergency notifications that fell short. Many people um, appropriately um, express a concern that there wasn't enough notice, and the fact of the matter is there wasn't. Very limited on resources. As response transitions to recovery, he shares his personal experiences that may surprise you. You start seeing some extraordinarily heroic behavior on the part of public safety professionals, as well as citizens. But will certainly enlighten and inspire you. While listening to Sheriff Honey, put yourself in his place. What would you do? How would you respond to the rapidly building stress and overwhelming chaos of a wildfire that's quickly overtaking one of your towns, your county? Butte County Sheriff Corey Honey and the campfire in this episode of All Hazards, right now. So Sheriff Corey Honey here in Butte County has been gracious enough to give us a few minutes of his time. He's obviously very busy with uh, response and recovery efforts for the campfire. Uh, Sheriff Honey, thanks for taking time out of your very busy schedule. I appreciate it. First of all, how are you doing? Um, well, I don't know that I know the answer to that question right yeah. now. We're yeah. still in the middle of this and um, uh, still taking it um, uh, one day at a time. Um, a lot of my staff, a lot of the first responders, certainly many members of the community are in a much worse position than I am. So um, I'm focused on trying to help them uh, onto the road to recovery. And that is, I think, what is keeping every one of these responders mutual aid going is Absolutely. the focus on the survivors. Yep. Right. Yep. Real quickly, how long have you been sheriff here in Butte County? About four and a half years. Okay. And I know you've got a long and storied career. Uh, in law enforcement. Um, I have your bio here. I also know that you're an attorney. I am. Um, I try to make a good impression on people and hope they like me. So if you can keep that between us, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> okay. No lawyer jokes. Let me strike those out. Okay. That That's one's fine, gone. <laughs> this one's gone. That one's, I had a whole list of them, by the way. I understand completely. <laughs> I'm going to get right to the point since you are a very busy guy. Obviously, you have a lot of responsibilities waiting on your shoulders here. Um, how are those responsibilities weighing on you right now? It's a, this is the biggest disaster really in California's history with regard to wildfires. Is that weighing on you? Absolutely. Um, it is an unprecedented event, as you know, in terms of the destructiveness of this fire, but also um, the death toll. That's the most, uh, it's the deadliest fire in the history of the state of California. Um, it is um, unprecedented. Uh, it is um, 
um, an event that um, weighs heavy on my mind, but weighs heavy upon, uh, I think, the minds of everybody who's involved in this situation. And we're still very early uh, in the process. I mean, fire is um, uh, on the way to being uh, completely contained, especially with these rains. But that brings with it a whole host of other challenges uh, in our ongoing effort to recover human remains. Um, it's interesting to me that a week ago I um, had to contend with my entire county burning down, and now I'm looking at uh, the prospect of flooding and mud flows uh, in these these impacted areas, all the while uh, trying to go through there, uh, recover human remains, and get those areas into a condition where people can start going back in there and getting their lives back in order. So until now, uh, from this point moving forward, it's not until that everyone has been recovered or at least that sort of conclusion has been drawn that folks won't be able to really fully come back into their community even just to, to look. Yeah, so um, it's a multi-layer process and certainly um, uh, you have the normal uh, processes that have to take place in the um, area that has been devastated by fire. Uh, the fire has to be put out. Uh, then beyond that, you know, the um, debris has to be uh, moved to the point where people can get in there. The utility companies have to get in there and deal with the down power lines and all the other utility issues, trees and that thing. But the added complexity in this case is the fact that um, there is a uh, fairly significant number of people who perished in this fire, and we have to go through and do our due diligence with regard to trying to recover those remains so that we can um, honor those people appropriately and ultimately return those remains to the family members. When did you first get wind of the impending danger of this fire on November 8th? So it was early in the morning, uh, and interestingly enough, uh, I, uh, as I do most mornings, uh, after waking up, uh, drinking a cup of coffee, I start going through all my emails that have come in over the night and trying to figure out what the day is. And um, the breaking news of that morning was the um, active shooter incident in Thousand Oaks. And uh, I was tuning into that, looking at my colleague, uh, uh, Sheriff Jeff Dean, uh, dealing with that, um, paying close attention to that, of course. And um, uh, it struck me that um, it was his last day as sheriff before he retired and that he was dealing with this uh, horribly tragic event. Uh, and as I was watching that, uh, I began to get um, information from my department that we had a fire um, in a very remote part of the county. Um, and uh, I thought to myself, it's it's November and we're dealing with a a, a wildland fire. It's just kind of strange to think about. Uh, but as that was going on, it became uh, increasingly apparent that this was not your standard fire. It was moving very rapidly, uh, very quick, and it began to threaten communities um, a, a, good, a pretty good distance away from where the original start was. So what were your early instincts telling you? Well, in any of these kinds of cases, um, you know, f the first uh, challenge is to gain situational awareness. Uh, what's going on? Uh, you know, what the potential threat moving forward is. And um, as I started to hear about the prospect of uh, it moving towards Concow and the need to order evacuations there, and then very, very quickly onto that, um, the, it's threatening of the town of Paradise. Uh, so um, uh, I'm the kind of uh, guy that needs to get into the field and um, start getting an understanding of what's going on from the various aspects. Um, I don't typically just uh, go to the command post and stay there. Uh, I like to see 
uh, things for myself and be able to evaluate that information. And so I got uh, dressed and headed to the town of Paradise. And when you got there, how far did you get and what did you see? Well, the first thing that struck me um, from, from where I live in Chico, um, the the best route to get to the town of Paradise is up a road called the Skyway. And in that part of the town, it's actually a, a divided highway, uh, two lanes up and two lanes down. And um, uh, police had, the, the Chico Police Department had been assisting with uh, blocking the roadway off at the um, lower end of Skyway where it comes into the, the town of Chico. There was heavy traffic obviously coming out of Paradise, uh, but um, there wasn't any traffic uh, coming down the uh, westbound lanes or the, um, the lanes that we would use for contraflow. So I was able to get up there, and when I got into the town of Paradise, I noticed that, again, we were having um, heavy traffic uh, on the other side, uh, and it, it, it was apparent to me that we needed to use the contraflow plan uh, for the Skyway to be able to uh, move more people out of there. Uh, so I, I checked with our dispatch to see uh, if that had been ordered. Uh, they had indicated it had, and they were trying to get that s- set up. Um, so I told them to advise the uh, Chico police officers at the bottom of the hill that I was going to be sending traffic down Contraflow. Um, I just didn't feel like we could wait anymore. And so uh, we got that started, uh, started sending people down that way. And then from there, um, I actually, uh, there was a citizen uh, standing nearby, and I um, uh, pressed him into service and uh, told him to help me uh, direct the traffic uh, down the Skyway and Contraflow while I got law enforcement person there to take over that uh, particular checkpoint. So the uh, citizens have been involved in this uh, from the very beginning. Absolutely. Um, and why not, right? Well, in those situations, um, you have to use your resources, uh, and that was the resource that I had available at that time. I get the feeling most citizens of Butte County would pitch in and help the sheriff if they were able to. Coming up, planning and preparedness for a town nestled among the evergreens. By design, the town of Paradise was at risk of wildfire, but they trained and tried to mitigate for the day they knew would come. This was worse than the worst case scenario that ultimately I think anybody contemplated. Plus, two-way radio traffic brings situational awareness and images of possible human suffering. It was heart-wrenching. There was a sense of helplessness. Deputies talking about the fire was overtaking them and they were asking for fire resources and the response back from dispatch was there are none. We continue our conversation with Butte County Sheriff Corey Honey. At this point of the game, you knew the winds were blowing. You knew that this was not going to stop anytime soon. Were you hearing the updates in terms of acreage as it was happening throughout the day? Well, throughout the day, but but um, at that those incipient stages, I mean, what it was going on, uh, again, uh, communicate, you have to understand that this was extraordinarily chaotic. This fire was moving so fast, it was outrunning us before we even knew that we were in a race. And trying to gain that situational awareness when you're um, hearing about these various parts of your community uh, both the town of Paradise and the unincorporated areas, Concow and Megalia, that are that are being affected almost simultaneously. Um, it takes a while to get a full understanding of the situational awareness. Um, I knew the fire was growing rapidly in terms of its acreage, uh, but um, I, I think what was impressing upon me was the fact that um, you know it was uh, we were 
we were during the, it was morning hours um, when this was going on, and, and when we got to Paradise, uh, it was dark uh, because of the smoke, uh, and it felt like it was nighttime with the added addition of ash and um, embers uh, raining from the sky. So let's fast forward. We know so far the numbers, the toll that it's taken. Looking back on this, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced as the sheriff of Butte County? So um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of these things. And I think um, that um, that story uh, still is uh, yet to be written or at least reviewed. Uh, As we go forward, we'll get a better understanding of that. But at this particular point where I'm at, um, I believe that um, a lot of the planning that had gone into um, protecting paradise from fire paid off. Uh, In what way? Well, um, this particular scenario has always been a fear of this community. We have always worried about a fire of this nature or a fire similar to this uh, rolling through paradise, devastating the area. And there has been a lot of work done in past years to try to mitigate those risks. Uh, First, um, the roadway that leads um, uh, up the skyway um, over across to um, a a small mountain community called Butte Meadows and then uh, dumps out on Highway 32. Um, For many years, there was a movement to get it paved so it could be used as an evacuation route. And the people who worked on that to see that come to fruition um, uh, had a lot of um, foresight and I'm glad that they were successful in their endeavor because uh, it provided an alternate evacuation route that saved thousands of people. In addition to that, um, um, there were um, we've had drills uh, in the area where we've uh, practiced the contra flow to get people out. Uh, we've messaged um, to people the need to be ready to evacuate. And all of those efforts were um, were successful in helping us save tens of thousands of people. Now that said, of course, there were people that perished in this, and uh, that weighs heavy upon me. Um, what I can say is that this was worse than the worst case scenario that ultimately I think anybody contemplated. Um, and the the lesson that I think this illustrates is that. Um, you can plan for a disaster. Um, you can put uh, resources in place, but there is always the potential that the disaster that you will face will immediately outpace your plans and outpace outpace your resources. Um, so what do you do? Well, you do the absolute best that you can under the circumstances. And um, ultimately, um, I think that that is where... Um, you start seeing some extraordinarily heroic behavior on the part of public safety professionals as well as citizens uh, who all come together to try to adjust to um, a scenario that really is uh, outpaces any plan that you could put together. And there are lots of stories about uh, heroic efforts on the part of public safety professionals as well as citizens. While I was up there, I was listening to the radio uh, while we were trying to direct traffic and, and move people and rescue people. And uh, I will tell you that um, I heard numerous radio transmissions from various locations involving my deputies as well as other uh, law enforcement personnel um, that led me to believe that um, they may not make it out. And frankly, I am I'm thankful um, and somewhat surprised that uh, we didn't lose any law enforcement or firefighter personnel uh, during the course of the evacuation. 
your gut must have turned when you were listening to this communication, knowing or at least believing at that point in time that you could be listening to some of the last transmissions by some of these folks. Uh, it was uh, it was heart wrenching. Um, there was a sense of helplessness. Um, there was um, uh, my desire was to try to get to those locations to see if I could find. Uh, an alternate way there or help bring resources in. Uh, I remember uh, specifically um, deputies talking about the fire was overtaking them and they were asking for fire resources and the response back from dispatch was there are none. And then from that point, um, um, them talking about having to abandon their vehicles and, and, and run to uh, try to shelter in place at some location. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute because I'm trying to put myself in their position. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know what I would do or how I would react to something like that. When you've spoken to these these folks afterward, you've, you've talked to them. What is it you tell them? Uh, how, I mean, how do you reconcile all that with them? Well, um, I don't know that we've we've been able to reconcile all that. We have a long way to go. Um, I, I'll say this. Uh, I've had an opportunity to go through and uh, speak with many of those uh deputies specifically because they're my staff, but I've also talked to some of the Paradise police officers who are in the same position, and um, they have heroic stories. What I'm struck by is this. Um, They all downplay uh, what they did. Uh, They all uh, are quick to point out somebody who they think um, was more heroic. Um, They all uh, tell me they're doing fine uh, and inquire about how I'm doing. Uh, which is um, a very, very nice thing. Uh, but um, we are in for, a, I think, a long road. Um, and as an agency, um, we have to be prepared to help our folks deal with um, the stressors that this has caused and the trauma. And I think this is a good point to make. Um, the, other, the other thing that I'm very aware of is that as we go forward um, well beyond the initial phases, phases of this uh, situation and the tragedy that we're dealing with, um, we're going to have to watch our public safety professionals very, very closely and provide them the support that they need to um, hopefully deal with the trauma that uh, this situation has visited upon them. You mentioned a lesson early on. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned uh, in addition to that that this particular event has taught you? On the way, Sheriff Honey addresses head-on the criticism that the warning wasn't sounded soon enough once the fire took off. Many people um, appropriately uh, express a concern that there wasn't enough notice, and the fact of the matter is there wasn't. Here why he believes had there been an earlier warning, even more people might have perished. That plus, how do you keep your team's spirits up when they're immersed in the kind of personal destruction their own community has suffered? Sheriff Honey explains later in this podcast. You mentioned a lesson early on. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned uh, in addition to that, that this particular event has taught you? Oh, I, there's a lot of lessons. And, and, and I don't know that we fully, um, we, we haven't been able to analyze our response well enough to understand all of the lessons to be learned. Uh, one of the things that, that has emerged that I'm, thought a lot about uh, is 
um, again, going back to how rapidly this fire was moving and the fact that, uh, again, we, we were being outrun before we knew we were in the race. And our effort to notify people through the various mechanisms that we use to notify people, our emergency mass notification system, our, our neighborhood, where we go into the neighborhoods and announce through PA system, fire to people to evacuate, uh, our use of social media and, and traditional media. And uh, many people um, appropriately uh, express a concern that there wasn't enough notice. And the fact of the matter is there wasn't because we didn't have time to provide um, lengthy notice. And there's some discussion about whether or not uh, um, th that whether or not we should have stuck with the the plan of notifying people uh, by zone uh, in increments, or whether we should have put out a mass notification, uh, similar to the way they do with tornadoes and things like that. And um, I don't think that there is a uh, right or wrong answer to that question, because. Uh, our approach was shaped or has shaped from the lessons that we learned during the Oroville Dam spillway incident, uh, which my department um, uh, played a key role in. And one of the things in that instance is um, because of the way the uh, impending crisis was presented to us, we had to order um, an evacuation of the uh, city of Oroville uh, almost, almost in its entirety. And, um, one of the one of the concerns and complaints uh, that we got was that if you order everybody in a location to leave at the same time, then what you have is gridlock, and nobody gets out. And so that experience um, uh, informed our approach in other evacuations subsequent to that, the fires that we had after the spillway incident, the wall fire, and some of those. And in this case, uh, I, I think that lesson uh, was part of the analysis as well. If there had been a uh, an unspecified order to um, uh, evacuate all of the areas impacted by the fire, given the enormity of it, we very likely would have had the same kind of scenario where um, uh, traffic was gridlocked. It was bad enough as it is. And so um, I think that the lesson to be learned from there is um, there are pros and cons to every single uh, approach that you take. And... Um, no matter what you do, there are catastrophes, there are events that are unprecedented in nature. And uh, no matter what you have in place in terms of planning, uh, it will stretch or strain or perhaps bend uh, to the point of, uh, um, uh, you know, where your resources are just outpaced and you have to ultimately um, adjust to the situation and go from there. Sheriff, I'm curious, as someone who makes to, has to make uh, very important decisions that affect a lot of people, you have had to evacuate, as you mentioned, really upwards of, what was it, 200,000 people uh, for Oroville? Oh, I think, I think the, the, the count on that was it impacted about 188,000 people. Okay, 188,000 people. And then, of course, with this uh, thing, you had to evacuate a lot of people. When you have to make a decision, such as evacuation, you know it's going to affect a lot of people. And you also know that you're being closely watched by the media and everybody else, the governor. I mean, it mm -hmm. just goes on and on and on. Is it experience that helps you make those decisions or is it just common sense? Or how do you make these decisions and live with them regardless of the outcome? So I think it's a combination of things. And, and first first and foremost, uh, you know, we have plans in place and we, we, we practice and train. And so 
for example, in the case of, of the evacuation of this fire, uh, my staff recognized what needed to be done and they followed the plan and they ordered those evacuations. So uh, it wasn't me having to give the final go ahead. Uh, they understand what's important. They're inspired to the vision and they're empowered to act when it's appropriate to act. Uh, I think that's um, when you're leading a situation like that, um, you have to give people you trust the, the, the right guidance and then let them do their job. Um, but that said, uh, I recognize that at the end of the day, um, you know, um, uh, I have to, uh, I have to be, I'm accountable for it. And I have to answer for it. And I certainly support, uh, the decisions that they made and, um, know in my heart of hearts that they were doing everything they possibly could to save lives in the, in the bigger context, whenever you have to order an evacuation of this magnitude, uh, it is not done, um, uh, lightly. Uh, we recognize wholeheartedly uh, the impact that it has on people, the impact it has on their lives. Our sincere hope is that we get as many people out as possible, save those lives. But the moment you displace them from their uh, homes, uh, you have to get, uh, work to care for them and take care of them. And then there's this pressure to get them back into the area as soon as you possibly can. But that has to be balanced against doing so um, when it's safe for them to return. And in this case, complicated by the fact that we have to go through and do our due diligence with regard to recovery of human remains. As of this recording, the search for human remains continues, and the fact that many of the sheriff's own team, dozens of them, lost their homes and knew people who died in the campfire. The department's morale was at risk of suffering a severe blow. There were a lot of people who were facing um, uh, the, the prospect of, of death, and the emotional impact that that will, will have on our department has to be accounted for. Sheriff Honey talks about what many in law enforcement don't want to, their own emotional health. Let's get back to Corey Honey. Obviously with a, a situation like this that affects everybody, your, your entire team was affected by this. Absolutely. Many of your officers lived in the area of, of the fire. Yep. Many of them probably lost their homes. Yeah, I think we're at a count of about uh, 47 members of our department lost their homes. Wow. Uh, others are displaced. And, you know, as you, as you know, before you came in, I was actually making phone calls to, to them. I'm trying to call all of them to check in on them and see how they're doing. In something like this, it would be very easy, I think, for a department's morale to go down. Mm-hmm. How do you keep spirits up? How do you keep them motivated and focused on the jo- topic at hand and, and keeping their morale up? Yeah. How do you do that? It's a great question and certainly um, another one of those kinds of maybe lessons or tips that I could pass on to other uh, uh, law enforcement or public safety executives. Um, um, early on, um, we as an organization recognized that um, many members of our department were going to be directly impacted by virtue of the fact that they lost their homes or they were displaced. And then every member of our department who was part of this would would be impacted by virtue of the fact that an entire community within our county has uh, been decimated. And um, there were a lot of people who were facing um, uh, the, the prospect of, of death and the emotional impact that that will, will have on our department has to be accounted for. So uh, I pulled resources together within the department, assigned people immediately to start working with our staff members who are impacted to try to find them short-term uh, housing. Uh, and then work towards finding longer-term housing. Uh, we um, began, we set up a mechanism to receive monetary donations as well as uh, donations of items that would be needed by our uh, folks. 
Uh, we've set up a center within the sheriff's office to help service public safety professionals, not just my department, but all law enforcement, fire personnel who were uh, impacted by this lost homes. Um, we immediately um, uh, called for uh, our law enforcement chaplains, mutual aid, uh, as well as peer support to start working with our staff immediately. That, that's not something you can wait on. You can you can keep you have to keep uh, you have to start that immediately. And as we go forward, uh, uh, I, I, we have been telling everybody that we need to watch out for that. We need to check with each other. We need to do that. The morale piece has been interesting because, and again, we're early on it, and I think that a lot of our staff still hasn't fully dealt with the trauma and impact that this particular event has caused. But um, I am constantly amazed at the the character of the people who are in the public safety professions. Um, they are the kind of people who are uh, so willing to sacrifice um, their their own safety and, and their own comfort and their own um, um, situation to help others. And when you go around and you talk to uh, them, uh, they are just committed to this. Uh, we actually had to get to a point where we are starting to uh, order people to take time off to spend time with their families because they were so committed to uh, being here and being part of the process. And so we're trying to balance it. Uh, I guess the short answer to that is um, morale uh, is something that we're watching very closely. Um, we've had a lot of support early on, and it's good now, but it's something that we're going to have to wa- work on and make sure that stays good as we go forward and people begin to process this. It may take some time for it to manifest itself. Absolutely. For sure. I have a lot more questions I'd like to ask you, but I know you're short on time, as am I. But uh, I do have one final question, and this is really just to kind of wrap things up. What's next? Looking at the next week, what do you see as the key priorities and objectives? Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously, uh, containment of the fire is was the number one, and I think we're in good shape there with regard to the, the rain, although that has brought an added labor difficult to my operation, which is the um, uh, recovery of human remains and ultimately the uh, uh, getting the area back into shape where we can allow reentry. Uh, so over the course of the next week, um, I want to move forward on both of those fronts. Um, I'm very hopeful that we can uh, get to the point where we've done our due diligence with regard to the re- recovery of human remains. Um, the rain is um, impacting that, uh, but we're continuing to work and push forward. Uh, once we're done with that, um, then I'll reassess where we need to go and, and uh, make some plans going forward. Well, best of luck to you and your entire staff and community. Uh, The County of Butte, I believe, is very lucky to have you. Uh, From what I've seen, you're a terrific leader. And um, we look forward to working with you again. And I look forward to maybe talking to you under better circumstances later on down the road. Well, I'd certainly be willing to talk to you uh, maybe uh, later on down the road when we have more time to process this. Uh, Perhaps I could provide some additional insight. And I appreciate your kind words with regard to uh, my handling of this. But I will tell you that um, um, I lead an extraordinary group of people and um, the, the fact that um, w- where things are going right and the fact that we're moving in a good direction despite the tragedy, uh, the credit is due to all of them. Uh, I just have the good fortune of, um, of being in front of it and being able to tell our story. Excellent. Sheriff Honey, pleasure. Thank, thank you, you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thank right. you. Take care of yourself as well. Appreciate it. 
Some residents of Paradise are slowly being allowed to return to their homes, but those are few and far between. There's still a lot of work left to do, especially performing their due diligence in the work to find human remains that still may be out there. Once that's determined, residents will be allowed to go back home and the massive job of debris removal will begin in earnest. There's a Beatles song that comes to mind right now whose line is so appropriate. The long and winding road that leads to your door. The road to recovery will indeed be long and full of twists and turns but Butte County and the Town of Paradise will get there. My sincere thanks to Sheriff Honey for saving some time to chat with me and for his candor as well. You should see the demand for his attention right now. It's unbelievable. And of course, thanks to you for taking your valuable time to listen. We certainly appreciate it. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to All Hazards at the iTunes Store and Google Play. If you have any questions or comments, shoot me an email to questions at caloes.ca.gov questions at caloes.ca.gov pretty easy all right for everyone here at cal oes i'm sean boyd take care and be safe out there you've been listening to the cal oes all hazards podcast don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.